1: is just going to die if they don't bring the designated hitter to the National League.
2: We got fresh (laughs) frozen strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips
3: and salsa all night long. Nick's (laughs) hips do not lie. Yeah, I got a MF wagon.
0: Let's be real. (laughs) The Washington Nationals Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now...
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat presented to you, as always, by Manscaped. Thank you all for joining us. We appreciate each and every one of you who listen. I'm Amanda, and I'm joined, as always, by my impertinent co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Please be sure to find us on Twitter and follow the show there at Half Street High Heat. And don't forget to check out the website at halfstreethighheat.com, which has always got lots of great articles, including this week about what is going on with our woeful gnats. How are you guys doing?
3: I'm doing really well. It was a uh, date night tonight, so we went out to some food trucks, and mm. um, it wasn't Ryan and I's date night. That That's, you know, every other night of the Which week. it
2: should have been, because it's 6-9. Yes. Yeah, ah, it, it, that's true. Yeah,
3: yeah, ah. I messed up there. It was just poor timing on my part. <laughs> uh, but we went out to some food trucks, and I had, well, no free ads, we're, we're at Chili's podcast, but I had a, a specialty dish called shaky beef, and it was quite good.
1: Oh, shaking beef! Um, Shaky beef,
3: shaky beef. Not shaking beef.
1: I've heard it had it before, and it's always been called shaking beef. But it's good, whatever you call it.
3: It was very, very delicious. I quite enjoyed it. So uh, I'm feeling nice and uh, ready to go after a a nice dinner.
1: That sounds pretty good. How about you, Ryan? What you been up to the last couple days? You feeling you know feeling better?
3: I'm in.
2: uh, I'm exuberant. I'm That's doing well, brilliant. I, uh, ready for I a rehab
3: start. <laughs> game?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm sitting up right now. So we're making progress. I had my post-op. I'm healthy AF. My surgeon's like, do you have any questions? I was like, when can I go to the pool? That was the first time I asked questions in three appointments with her. So she had a good laugh at that. I was like, I'm not joking. And then when... she
3: wanted to see your wiener.
2: <laughs> I, I did. I did have to drop my pants. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I, like she was laughing. I was like, I'm not joking. <laughs> at <"Wink."> your wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm not joking. Like, when can my incisions get chlorine? And she was like, I'll just give it a week. And so I'm going to be back in the pool soon. So life is fantastic. That
1: is fantastic. You know, we bought, I don't know if I told you, we bought an endless pool. Um, Ooh, I guess it got Like an infinity like a, pool? No, no, the ones that are like, it's like 15 feet long. It's basically like a big hot tub that has the current that you can turn on so you can use it for exercise. You know what I'm talking about? I would see those in
2: commercials. Um, I like game shows, and I would always see them in the commercials for game <laughs> shows. I know exactly what you're talking about. Is
3: that about. the thing, you know, like how on cruises they do the uh, thing you can boogie board? on the little stand yeah but like not, not quite nearly quite
1: that But kind cool. of the
3: same concept
1: <laughs> yeah but kind of the same concept so you turn yeah. the current on it's like two settings like high and low but when you turn on the high but it is there like an extreme
3: where you can ass. boogie board because that'd be fun
1: you i mean i guess you could maybe try it's it's strong enough that it'll like knock you off your feet if you're standing right in front of it so wow. you know maybe except the pool's probably not big enough for that so it's pretty cool though. It's like 15 feet long by like seven feet wide. So it's big for a hot tub. Big is your backyard, to...
3: I feel like you're adding stuff to your backyard like every, you know, season.
1: Yeah, well, we put in a patio this past year and then we put the endless pool in like down on the patio. But anyway, the reason you maybe think of it with the pool thing is the kids, for them, I mean, they're like little people, the three little ones. So for them, it's like a pool. So we go in that thing every damn day and they just are like it's so funny. They, they they call it the hot pool because I keep telling them it's not a pool, it's a hot tub. So they call it the hot pool. And it's nice because you can actually keep it at a hot tub temperature if you want to, or you can turn it down to a more like a like heated pool temperature. So it's pretty cool. Hot pool just
3: doesn't it. sound appealing. Heated pool sounds great.
1: I know. Somehow hot, hot pool tub sound sounds appealing.
3: even better. <laughs> hot pool sounds terrible.
1: <laughs> For some reason, it doesn't work together. Although, have you
3: ever, hot springs, also very appealing? Also very good, but a hot pool <laughs> sounds terrible.
1: Yeah, so anyway, we've been doing that pretty much every day. So they go down and uh, pick, uh, we have raspberries in the garden. The raspberries have started to come in, so they go down there every day. And what I like about it, though, is I can cover it up every time we finish with it. I just put the cover on and click it all down so they can't get into it. So it's nice because I'd love to have a pool who wouldn't. But I would always worry about having three little kids and having a pool in the backyard. Like you'd be low-key scared all the time, even if you had a gate around it, that they were going to get into it. So anyway, I hope you can get to the pool soon, Ryan. But we've been getting in that the hot pool pretty much every day, and it's pretty damn glorious.
2: I love the pool.
1: Yeah, I like to swim. Like to swim. Well, speaking of sinking or swimming, let's transition and talk about the mats, shall we? who are sinking like stones
3: well so we're um, going to talk about pitch. the quick pitch there you go yeah I was going to say that I mean that would have been nice if we were transitioning into Nats bat but yeah
1: <laughs> well we'll talk about baseball not necessarily the Nats yet so our quick pitch tonight is do you agree with Pete Alonso's theory now those so, of you who may not have seen this today you want to talk about it Ryan Perfect.
2: Yes. Um, just in case you guys haven't seen it, Pete Alonzo was doing a Zoom interview and he was asked about MLB banning substances on balls, more specifically the sticky stuff that is being banned. And Pete Alonzo says he genuinely does not care. He started talking about how guys should be able to use it, but he's just looking at that of uh, not getting hit with the ball aspect. He also said that He doesn't care because Major League Baseball is manipulating the balls for years. He says they manipulate the balls based off of the free agent class that's coming up, which is very interesting because if you think about it, the owners are rather scummy. (laughs) They've been trying to hurt players' values for years. So if you have a lot of really, really good position players that are going to hit free agency like we do this year, You deaden the baseball, so all their offensive numbers are down, their value goes down. You have a lot of really, really good pitchers hitting the market, like we saw a couple years ago. You juice the baseball, so all their numbers go way up, and their value goes down. Now, we don't know how valid this is. Pete Alonso did say that there's a lot of players who think this in the league. Also kind of shows that the players, again, don't trust the owners at all. But it's really interesting to think about because it makes a lot of sense and goes with everything that the owners have been trying to do and stuff that we have confirmed that they've been trying to do with trying to find ways to hurt players value. So I agree with it. Um I we will never find anything out about it. Pedlong's is probably going to get fined for this honestly, which is even more suspicious, but great theory. I love it.
1: So, I know you love the theory. Do you agree with it? Do you think that's really what's happening?
3: I'm going to say yes. I agree. I I I think it makes a lot of sense because ultimately, you know, we, we've had the discussions the past couple of uh, episodes and a couple of weeks where we've talked about how the advantage is clearly in the pitcher's favor for a multitude of reasons. And one, you know, definitive option to kind of hopefully level the playing field is obviously to juice the baseballs like they've done before. So why would they not? right why would they not only not juice the baseballs but deaden the baseballs as we're seeing in 2021 <laughs> it doesn't take a you know a genius to figure out that deadened baseballs lead to less offense which is not what the mlb wants unless there is an ulterior motive and pete Alonso just presented it there's a lot of great position players hitting the, the market this year not so many uh pitchers, or at least not the ones like we saw in 2019 where Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg were going to command record-breaking contracts. But now you have, like, just look at the shortstop class. The shortstop market is going to be completely reset this year with Trevor Story and hobby Baez and a couple others. It already has started to be with uh Xander Bogarts and Fernando Tatis leading the charge. But um I, I just think it makes a lot of sense in – the MLB and owners and rich people in general always want their way and they want to, you know, kind of manipulate things to, to suit their, their will. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And Rob Manfred works for the owners. So I don't think it's that big of a stretch, truthfully.
1: All right. Well, I think I'm going to disagree with you too on this one. I i always, I'm always sort of hesitant to attribute to, to malice, what can be attributed to incompetence. And I think probably the idea that all the owners would collude this way with Manfred, like some owners, sure, it might be good this year for them to dead the baseball, but for other ones who, you know, who need one side of the ball or the other, you know, who need one type of player or the other, you're not going to get all the owners to agree to something like this. I think Manfred's just an idiot who keeps tinkering with not just the baseballs, but every other aspect of the game. And I don't know. To me, this seems more coincidental than by design.
0: But
3: so. with, the, with the owner, the argument you made about the owners about them needing a certain aspect of their team, how many the the owners? Them. Home. How many owners are truthfully trying to win right now? Not a lot. Uh, they care about ticket sales. They care about basically the bottom dollar. So if they can retain players, good players, which would you know, maintain or increase ticket sales and do retain those players at a, you know, a fraction of the price that it might cost them, or at least not the the years or just the overall price tag to do it. That's something that is in the wheelhouse of possibilities for the owners to do. Maybe it's not all 30 owners colluding in this huge scheming plot. Yeah,
1: I just can't see this, like, big, but, you know, coll- you know, this this meeting of evil geniuses to, right. to it, manipulate it, maybe, the game. It, maybe this
3: it's way. not that far, but, again, we've seen them juice the baseballs. They never admitted it, but everyone knows they did. But you say them, There's I think the- that's...
1: Baseball. That's not the owners. I don't think the owners are the ones see, that are okay, saying, "Hey, I'd like for the ball to be." I'd, I'd like the ball to be this way next year. Who like, does Rob Manfred that. work for? I I hear you, but man, I don't know. I don't see it being as a him going to the owner any, and saying, man- "Hey, Manfred what should we do with the balls this year?" That
3: the owners don't want to do. That's what it comes down to. So if Manfred if Manfred was doing this, you know, purposefully, the owners knew about it. So even if they went to him and said, do this, or if he said, I'm doing this and they didn't say anything, they're equally as guilty.
1: Yeah, but I, you keep saying they as if it's some monolithic block. Oh, my God. It's just say, an expression.
3: I'm not trying to. Well, like, I
1: know. I'm just saying the idea like the owners want him to do this. But the owners are 30 different people who have all different types of reactions to something like this or they desires think for the win. same
3: way. They're all baseball owners.
1: I hear you I just I don't think it's like I said I don't think it's so monolithic and I don't think it's coming from on high like they want him to do this and so he's doing it I think I think Manfred's just tinkering like he always tinkers and that it's not probably no, based on so. what the upcoming free agent class is going to so be like and he can keep just doing dumb crap because he always does dumb
2: crap you're you're using logic and like making a good argument but it would be a lot more fun and a lot more drama if the owners were tinkering with the baseballs based off of the free agent class. So it's hard know, to
1: argue with that, Ryan. You're very I'm,
2: right. I'm going with the chaos <laughs> options. That's why I'm agreeing
0: with it. Yeah.
1: Yes. That's certainly the more chaotic option. So it would be more fun if that were true. It just seems like a stretch to me. So anyway, let's move on and do the week in review.
2: Yeah, we have a mid-week in review. There's not many stories, but... There's some pretty important stuff. More importantly, Major League Baseball and USA Baseball are partnering up to hold the first ever MLB draft combine this summer. Players entering the draft will have a week from June 21st to June 28th, showcase their skills in different ways. This is hoping to become a annual event that will be starting this summer. And this is a fantastic event for college players and high school players alike to show off their skills MLB and will be in the player's union slam the quote frivolous lawsuit end quote seeking to return the 2021 all-star game to Atlanta. pirates have a rather bad relationship with first base as key brian hayes missed first base on the home run and was called out the pirates really do not like first base the diamondbacks are the worst team in baseball maybe the worst team ever Just kidding, but maybe not. They've lost 30 of their last 36 games, and they have lost 18 straight road games. To the NL East, all records are current as of 10.03 p.m., and last place are the 24-33 and Nats as they dropped. Excuse me, I wrote they dropped in here. I assume they lost. They're currently winning
3: game two against the Rays after they dropped game one. They're not winning. Uh, Daniel Hudson just gave up a home run, so they're tied.
2: Wait, 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 really?
3: Yeah. (laughs) So you you could probably just leave the dropped in there. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh man, that sucks. Uh, that's unfortunate. All right. Well, the good news is uh, the best team in baseball comes to town, and the San Francisco Giants. Woo! All right. In fourth place, already twenty six and thirty four Marlins. They dropped the first two against the Rockies. Star Marte said today that he loves playing in Miami. And he wants to spend the rest of his career there. Unfortunately for him, he's probably gonna be traded for prospects. In third place, RD twenty eight and thirty one Phillies. They lost game one to the Braves, and they currently just took the lead in game two. Up next for them are two struggling teams, should be a rather boring series, in the Bronx with the Yankees. In second place are the 29 and 29 Braves. Up next are the Marlins. Austin Riley is finally living up to his hype as a prospect and is quietly putting together one of the best seasons for a NL third baseman this year, not named Chris Bryant. Sad. In first place are the 30, that's right a 30 win team exists in at least and it's the New York Mets. They're 30 and 24 after they split the two-game set with the O's up next which will be a very very fun series because DeGrom is going to pitch. They got the Padres. This has been your week in review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chili's. Make sure you guys stop on in, dine out or get an order to you right on the comfort of your couch and get some delicious wings and fries. This has been your week in review.
3: A lot of good stuff. Uh, yeah, th- th- that was just typical Mets because the they gave up the lead basically right as you <laughs> said that. It, it was pretty funny. Yeah.
1: yeah so they're winning game, game two. <laughs> no, they're not winning game two. Yeah. It's uh, it's the rough. It's hard to watch right now. I mean, I don't know. They they were winning only for, weren't four of their five runs from Zimmerman tonight. I feel. <laughs> I know he had two homers. I think it was four of the five. So, I don't know. Maybe he'll get another at-bat and hit a third one and we can win this game. But I'm not that hopeful.
3: No. No, we all expected a two-game sweep. So, why bet against ourselves?
1: I'm sure it'll get way better when they see the Giants. Yeah. (laughs) That That should be good. So... Since we're talking gnats, let's talk about more depressing things. Strauss is shut down from Ugh. throwing right now. So this was a oh we're going to put him back on the IL see what's going on too. he literally is not allowed to touch a baseball.
2: Yeah, so it was originally just a slight neck thing um with neck thing, so nerves in the neck. There's a lot of them that go down your shoulder blades and into your arms. Um it, it was it's it's been a, it's been what we say a week on the 10-day IL and today they announced that he is only doing lower body stuff. He is not throwing. He is shut down. He is going to see a specialist, and Dave Martinez said, quote, I don't know what the specialist is going to look for. That That's that's where things stand with the $245 million arm.
1: Awesome. That's good. That's good. Speaking you of arms that have that. been uh, expensive arms that aren't living up to what they should be, Corbin's pitching tonight.
2: <laughs> Ugh. His I, like I don't, I don't know what it is. His first innings are just – unwatchable but it's also kind of must see TV because it's like a car accident you can't look away. Um he settled today, in
1: well but only five innings. I mean you can't just go five. We need it we need well, more when, you're out of the throwing,
2: when you're throwing 35 pitches in the first inning like it's hard to go into games and luckily it was just a two game set because John Lester threw 90 pitches and went into the third inning yesterday. Like it's things like this. The back end of the rotation, John Lester and Patrick Corbin, they're struggling early in games. They're settling in, but they're having these 30 plus pitch innings and it absolutely kills you. And your bullpen is going to start to break, which it kind of is showing symptoms of because it's overworked. And it sucks when nothing else is going right. You're like, okay, bullpen's doing well. The bullpen's completely overworked. Daniel Hudson's at 30 pitches and he pitches every other day. Like it's just, it sucks. <laughs>
3: It's also, you know, salt in the moon when we signed John Lester, who was not by far and away one of the better options out there that would have fit our role um, when, you know, what we were looking for. I mentioned and Walker last week. There's plenty of them. That's not a road we need to go down. We signed John Lester, and we try to spin it like, oh, at least he's an innings eater. Well, he's going – three to four innings every single start that's not an ending so,
1: he's not very hungry
3: <laughs> <laughs> no i guess he's on a diet or something
1: exactly he's trying to cut back on his innings his. yeah yeah it's uh it's not a good situation with the starters right now and you know as you just said ryan once your starters start to not go deep into games once your starters are struggling then your bullpen will start struggling i mean it's they can't pick up that load if your starters can't can't consume the innings they need to so it just you know train wreck is the right word this whole team is kind of a slow motion train wreck right now I'm emotionally distancing myself already right now from from the net situation like
2: Zim hit his second home run of the game and it gave them the lead and the entire dugout was like just sitting there like no one even reacted to it like if you look at other teams that are actually having fun they're all excited. And the are just sitting there. Like, I don't even know if this team's even having fun either.
3: So, like, maybe we're all just miserable in this. Yeah, like, when the Rays just tied the game, as soon as um, Wendell hit the home run, as soon as Wendell, like, hit the ball, it wasn't even a home run yet. The whole dugout was, like, up on the fence, like, hopping over, looking yeah. at the ball.
1: Well, and that's, the, that's what happens when your team's won 20 of 24. You know, there's excitement. You're having fun. Everybody's, you know, looking forward to the postseason. Like, you feel like you've got something going on. The Nats, the Nats look as miserable as they seem. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, they look miserable. It's not fun to go out there and lose all the time, I'm sure. And, you know, there's struggles up and down the lineup. There's struggles with the starters. There's, you know, it. it's not fun to watch, and it doesn't look like they're having any fun playing.
3: No. No, it does not.
1: No, it does not. Okay, so speaking of the fact that they suck – probably going to be sellers at the deadline this year so the trade rumors have started.
2: Woo-hoo! That's um yes, the trade rumors are a plenty. Um if you are the nats fan who gets upset at trade rumors, I advise you blocking every single national beat reporter because between now and the trade deadline, it's going to be a lot, especially yeah, And you might
1: want to turn this off right now if you don't like <laughs> You might want to go take a walk or something and and pick this back up for the interview.
2: Especially with Max Scherzer. He is the biggest name out there. Um, John Morosi, who is a bot, not a real human being. He reported today that the Nats are not yet, It was keyword yet, ready to have conversations about Max Scherzer. He noted that could change as if they continue to struggle. But everyone, there's a lot of people on Twitter saying you should trade Max Scherzer. I agree. I think we should trade Max Scherzer. Amanda does not. Amanda, we understand. It's true. Um, but I also think the Nats should trade Trey Turner. Mm.
0: Trey, is,
2: Trey is my favorite player, but when you logistically look at it, you're looking at this from a business standpoint, where your franchise is going it does not make sense to pay a 100 plus million, probably 200 plus million, to a 30 year old shortstop. It does not make any sense whatsoever. What does make sense is getting the gorgeous haul that he would get back. Now, the trouble with that is though, most of the teams competing don't really need a shortstop, so you're kind of looking at the Yankees, Um, the A's and then the one other team that's trying to talk about story. I can't remember who it is. So your market is extremely limited and the odds of moving him are very slow. But logistically speaking, if you want to revitalize this farm system, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, you trade both of them. You go from a top 30 farm system, probably going to be around 17 or 15 in the rankings. And that might be something you have to do. It's a conversation they're not going to have, but it's a conversation this front office 100% needs to have, is should
3: they explore trading him? Yeah, uh, it definitely needs to be a conversation. I don't think anything comes to fruition this year. Um, It it really it just depends how far they want to go into selling, and based off previous years and their... Delusions of grandeur about what this team is and what this team can be. If they do sell, it's going to be little stuff. I think you know Schwarber, maybe Hand. Um, you know, I don't. Even I don't think even Gomes. think they'd be
1: willing to trade Bell, let alone tr- yeah. Turner. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think
3: they trade any of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I. I'm starting to believe that as well. I think it's going to be a very quiet trade deadline, unfortunately. But if they do sell, I don't, I don't see them doing anything substantial that would really shift the tides. Yeah. It's only, yeah. this,
2: is, this is only just beginning. Like I said, it is June, and there are a lot of articles already coming out and a lot of hypotheticals already coming out with Max. Give it another month if this team's still struggling. It's going to be a absolute frenzy, and that's all MLB Network is going to be talking about is where will Max Scherzer go. Just, yeah, like, just wait. Just like if you guys are upset now, just wait.
3: The beginning of May was too early. We're now at beginning, closing in on mid-June. That's not too early. That's yeah, when like, you in, really need to start thinking about where your team's at and where your team's going to be.
2: In, in May, when these started, I thought that was a little ridiculous. That's me. I thought that was ridiculous. Now you're like, okay, you know, you might be on something here. Um, Yeah, it's it's go time these next few weeks are going to decide the fate of this team. I'm going to say before July, we're going to figure out what the fate of this team is because the July schedule is absolutely disgusting and not in a good way. I think Um, we already
1: know what the fate of this team is. Yeah.
2: So it's, it's go time. And yeah, Yeah, if you don't like them, just, just prepare yourself. I
1: just don't know that you'd get as much for max as, You'd think just because he doesn't, unless it's a sign in trade, it looks like a trade, and then they, they sign him to an extension. We
3: actually, talk about that in there. I I
2: was I was going to say we. Oh, I talk haven't listened about to the that.
1: interview yet. Yeah, yes. so.
2: it's it's a good interview, but I'm just going to say one point on that. Every so often, there is the prize of the deadline, that one player that takes a borderline playoff team to a playoff lock, the division winners to a World Series favorite, and a World Series favorite to the World Series lock, that's Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, if he's available on the market, every single team will ring, and one team will make the call, and I guarantee you someone will offer up a top prospect. Someone will to win the World Series. I, I'm willing to guarantee it, but we talk about that in our interview, and we also talk about a whole lot more. We were graciously joined by William Bohr of MLB Pipeline, and it was honestly... It's a baseball nerd's dream interview. <laughs> like, yep. I, I I absolutely loved it. We talked about prospects. We talked about the draft. We also got to hear what goes into the rankings. How MLB Pipeline comes up with the rankings. How do they decide what these uh, grades are for prospects? And there's mentions of spreadsheets, Excel, um, and it oh, was I'm truly... so excited. I
1: can't wait to listen to. It. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, like, honestly, it, it was truly a really, really fun podcast. And you can hear a great breakdown of uh, our farm system. So we hope you guys enjoy. We're now joined by William Bohr of MLB Pipeline. You guys can give him a follow on Twitter at W And Make sure you head on over to MLB.com slash pipeline to keep up with all news prospects and everything with the draft. William, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us.
4: Yeah, no problem. Doing well. Uh, Happy to be joining you and talking some baseball.
2: Absolutely. Um, There's a lot of baseball on right now, whether that's college level or professional, but... It's almost draft season. We're about a month away from the draft and I love drafts. Don't care what's more. Get absolutely jacked about it. I'm going to start preparing for fantasy football here pretty shortly as well. (laughs) Pretty excited about that. But with the draft approaching, who are some of the biggest names in this year's draft that fans should be paying attention to? And do you think there is a clear cut number one pick this year?
4: May need to hit you up for some fantasy football stuff. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Any time, <And> yeah. <laughs> just just say when and where. <laughs> <laughs> we we could turn this interview into a fantasy football one if you really wanted to.
4: <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, maybe in like three or four weeks we get closer. But anyway, um, the baseball draft. So obviously the the names at the top, and they're not going to go one two as much as maybe the general public wants them to. But when you talk the draft. Everyone wants to talk about Jack Leiter and Kumar Rock. Um, they're good. They both had very good years. They're still really good, not to take anything. But there's just – I think there's players who are going to go before them. Um, this draft, when we look at the top ten, um, they don't get as much attention because they are not in the College World Series or stuff. But you've got to look at high school shortstops, whether it's Marcella Meyer, Jordan Lawler, uh Brady House, Cleo Watson, you could have three high school shortstops in the top three or four high school shortstops in the top 10, maybe top 15 is a little bit more realistic. Some of it is obviously going to depend on signability and all that. Um, But I think that's where a lot of names are going to come from earlier, that demographic. Um, And it's tricky because, like I said, since they're high schoolers, they're not in the College World Series, they're not going to be up in couple weeks uh so it's maybe not not as exciting you know your team's not going to draft uh someone that you just saw tearing it up in omaha but those are really the names that i think of at the top um at the top of the draft and then i'm really looking forward to seeing where they go in what is it roughly like four or five weeks
3: yeah and, and you know with any draft in general typically the you know, MLB, or excuse me, the NFL and NBA get more of the hype because those prospects can make more of an immediate impact. But it seems like there has been a lot of, uh, you know, buzz around two names you mentioned, Jack Leiter and Kamar Rocker. There had been some rumors and news coming out that Kamar Rocker wants a big signing bonus. Do you think that might deter teams from potentially drafting him or do you think the upside's too big, that teams just won't care.
4: Yeah. I mean, it might deter one team or two teams or a little bit, um, but it's not like he's going to fall to the second round or anything like that. Right. Um, so yeah, maybe and I'm not going to name any teams, but like, let's say he was going to go five or six or something like that. Maybe now he slips to nine or something like that. And I'm not even looking at the order. Like don't necessarily read into those numbers. But just it'd be something like that is maybe it scares one team away. Um, This would be, I guess he would be a kind of guy, if you could trade picks like in the NFL or something, maybe Mm -hmm. someone would slide down two slots and someone else would just pop back in, Uh, you know, trade from, from 12 up to six or something like that. Uh, But I wouldn't expect it to be a huge slide unless the number he's asking for is like super obnoxious, but you've got to think that, even if he wants a big, big bonus or something that's over slot, like with the way the baseball draft is set up with bonus pools and stuff like that, you can only be so obnoxious as far as the amount of money you're asking before you even before there's got to be some sort of common sense, right? Right. Um, got to know teams only have this much. Like, assume he, like he's, he's he's smart. He goes to Vanderbilt. Like, math's got to work out at some point.
0: <laughs>
4: um, so, I think. Yeah, like I said, I don't think it's going to be a huge slide where all of a sudden we're on draft day and it's pick 30 and we're like, oh, my God, where's Rocker going to go? It would be something where it's like, sucks.
2: Yeah, pick nine would hurt a lot because the Nats won three games towards the end of the season. And if they didn't win those, they would have been in, like, pick eight. Um, But speaking of the Nationals, they have pick 11, which is one of the best draft picks they've actually had in quite some time. Um, Who are a couple names that fans should be paying attention to that you think are going to be around there? I'm a big Brady House guy, but I don't think he's going to fall. Who do you think fans should start paying attention to?
4: Yeah, House is interesting. I don't – I'm with you. I don't know if he's going to be there unless – And this is always the thing with, I guess, especially high school players. Um, Maybe he he does demand a huge bonus um, to help himself fall from a certain slot or because he really does want to go to college or whatever. That's another thing with Rocker and his bonus and stuff is when you're in college, you don't have as much leverage. Like, he's probably not going to go back to Vanderbilt again. Um, That would just... I don't know. I don't really see the point of the upside on that, especially if you're a top ten pick. How much higher are you really going to go? Anyway, you asked about the Nationals, not more about Rocker. Um, each of our past couple of mock drafts at MLB Pipeline, we've had Sam Bachman, the right-hander from Miami, well Miami of Ohio, uh, going there. Um, he's a pitcher. He's really steady. He's he's kind of been climbing though, so I don't know. He, he could be gone by 11, but he could be he could be there. Uh, he's, he's someone that has a really good fastball-slider combo, uh, mid to upper 90s with the fastball, can can hit triple digits. Um, obviously, he's not going to sit there for a full start, but he can get to 101, more likely you're in 94, 97. Really powerful slider. Uh, some feel he could end up being a bullpen guy, uh, which scares some teams off. A little bit, um, but even if he is a bullpen guy, you've got a really good fastball slider, fastball slider combo with a high with a high floor. Um, so I, I think that would be a really good pick.
3: Yeah, and that kind of fits into what the Nats have done. Really, you know, since since the the Bryce Harper, Steven Strasburg back to back days, they they've gone for. I guess high upside arms and haven't really paid much attention or care to any previous injury history or uh, off the field concerns or anything like that. Um, Just, it can be Nats, you know, specific, but just in general is the Nats approach to the draft one you see often and one you like uh, that being, you know, heavy on, big right-handed pitchers that that throw hard? Or do you think the Nats and other teams should, you know, still pay attention to, you know, uh, position players and, and, uh, you know, kind of give some love to the position players and not go so heavy on the pitchers?
4: I personally like position players. Um, They play every day versus – you know, a starter every five. The other thing is if someone's athletic enough, you can move them around to a different position. Um, you know, you, you draft a shortstop, but maybe you wind up with a really good left fielder or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitchers are kind of stuck. Um, he's probably a pitcher if it doesn't work out there. He's just not a baseball player then. Um, but I think that could just be me trying to – mitigate risk um, and trying to look for fail-safes rather than just jumping all in and being very aggressive. Which... Well, yeah,
3: that, that's kind of why I asked, because we've seen so many of the Nats pitchers who they hype up just kind of flame out. Cade uh, Cavalli being the exception to that, thankfully. But the, the past couple of years, it, it's been, oh, this high upside pitcher with injury risk or off the field risk, like Seth Romero and and all these other guys. And it just hasn't panned out. So I was just wondering if, you know, it's still a viable strategy or if they really need to kind of show some love to the position guys. Cause as we see right now at the Nats farm, which we'll get to in a little bit, there, are, there isn't much position <laughs> to position guys to, to lean on.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I personally prefer position players, but I don't think, I don't think their strategy is wrong. Um, you can never have enough pitching. Obviously pitching is good. It's very important when you have it, there's nothing like it, and teams that don't have it really, really stands out. Um, they just haven't – Cavalli's looking like that guy. You just got to get the right guy because if you look at – like the, the Tigers kind of similar approach with Matt Manning, Casey Mize, uh Tariq Stubble That seems working. I know the Royals, uh, Brady Singer, Jackson Kowar, we're recording this on Monday, is debuting today. Um, so team, teams have done it, loading up on arms, and it's definitely – like I, I would not say it's wrong because um, mm. pitching is so important. So there's definitely ways to do it. You just got to get, you just got to get the right guy, and that's obviously a lot easier said than done.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a fair point. I feel like most teams don't get that right guy, especially so much can go wrong with young arms in the minors. Before we get to the Nats farm system, last year's draft was pretty interesting to say the least there were only five rounds um teams were allowed to sign more undrafted players than normally but with last year's draft being so short do you think this year will have more of an influx of talent in these rounds since there's only five rounds like are we going to see deeper draft this year or is it going to be more just normal type of draft talent wise
4: i think yeah i think there will be more a little bit more talent um some guys going from juco whatever and i think this will actually impact uh well the i'm so bad at math uh 22 or 23 draft because some players last year who maybe would have signed being some high schoolers from last year who maybe would have signed as a seventh round pick for example you know said okay never mind went to college so i think we'll get some of those guys um Either that went straight to college or went to the junior college route. So I think it's actually going to have an impact on probably about three, four four-inch drafts uh, going forward. This year being the first of those. Yeah, I didn't
3: even think about that. That, that makes a lot of sense for the, for the potential high school guys last year. Yeah,
2: um, and then getting more in depth with the Nationals, their farm system's not very good. <laughs> 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 just to like, just to put it straight up. Um, For a while, they had the worst cumulative farm system record. Um, I think the Fredericksburg team was off to one of the worst starts ever. Things aren't going very well. But one of the more interesting names right now in the farm system is Carter Keboom. He was this highly talented prospect, came up, had no talent. Right now, he's heating it up a lot in the minors. What is that when it comes with prospects? When they come up, and they struggle a lot. We just saw with the Mariners, they sit down a uh, clinic after he went over for 40, I believe. Is that more of just a mental thing for prospects going from AAA to the majors, or is this more a lot of guys just straight up aren't ready type of thing, especially with part of
4: Yeah, I think it's just hard. Um, baseball is hard. And some of these players, like it's a big, it's a really big jump. Um, not only actually like, on the on-field talent, but then also the life. Like, it's a longer season. There's flights. You're getting in the hotels at weird hours. Um, So you've got to come up with, you know, a new routine of when do you start stretching and how much do you value that extra nap or whatever it is. Uh, I just think there's a lot that goes into it. It's a big adjustment. And then on top of that, you've got to perform in front of, you know, a lot of people, whereas minor league stadiums, even the ones that draw a ton are not, you know, there's no third deck on most of them. Um, so there's a lot of people. I think it's, tough. it's a tough adjustment. It takes time. Some players are able to do it right away. Some take a little bit longer. You, when you've got someone like Carter, it's not like he lost all of his baseball ability. Um, you know, I mean, Mike Trout came up the year before he won Rookie of the Year. It got sent down. And the next year and was like, oh, okay, now you're my job. Now you're really, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. So it happens, um, especially trying to develop right now. Like, I know he made – I know Carter made his debut in 19. But then that was only 11 games. So it was a small sample size. So then it was kind of like, well, let's see what happens in 2020. Obviously, 2020 was what it was. That's That's now kind of a wash in this whole weird situation. Uh, so he's a player that's trying to get used to life at the major league level, trying to go through all these adjustments about the rest of the world is normal. Um, So it's already a tough, a tough time period. And now you've got all this other stuff about worrying, like, you know, you're worried about maybe where your hands are in your swing and now you're also worried about, wait, what, I wash my hands after doing that and just all this other extra stuff that I don't blame
3: anyone who struggled last year. Yeah, last year was uh, definitely kind of an anomaly. We, on our podcast, it, we use 2020. If it helps our argument, we'll use it. And if it doesn't help our argument, we kind of just throw it out. And I think that's, that's the right thing to do with 2020. Um yeah, one of one of the bright spots for the Nats that did come out of 2020 was drafting Kate Cavalli, and it's been a while since we've had uh, a pro- pitching prospect of this, you know, with this much hype, obviously DC fans remember Lucas Giolito and the infamous, you know, uh, call up or the stint he had with the big league club and then obviously getting chipped out in a trade to Chicago. Um, but for Nationals fans and uh, them looking at Cade Cavalli, what can they expect? What was his kind of, um, you know, scouting report coming out of college into the draft? And with this latest tear that he's been on, when is like a normal
4: timeline
3: to see him potentially make his uh, debut at the big club?
4: So in his past four starts, he has struck out, 12, 7, slacker. 11 and 11. <laughs> um, so that's, I mean, those numbers alone obviously jump off the page. That's really exciting. He He's someone that, because he's a college arm, he could move quickly. Um, he's in high A right now. He's definitely not going to finish the year there. Uh, he's probably, I don't know when they'll move him up, Maybe maybe before the all-star break or maybe like right after just to get him like hey let's spend the second half at double a um i would not be shocked if he debuts next year uh if he, he's kind of the type of guy that if he had a really good second half and was just continued dominating everyone he, maybe he would be ready in september but with service time and all that and we have a national time right now like that just doesn't i i don't see why they would do that mm-hmm. uh, plus i think it might be a stretch for him to go from high a all the way to the majors late in the year, then factoring service time, all that. So, yeah, I would think sometime next year, um, probably in the first half of next year, would be very likely and realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's someone that – it's interesting because he hasn't thrown a ton. He didn't throw a ton in high school um, as far as as advanced as some, a lot of the kids are spend a ton of time on the, on the showcase circuit and stuff like that. But a good frame, like good body, six foot six foot four, mid nineties fastball tops out around ninety nine. Um, got a good life on, got a good, got a lot of good life on that fastball. Really nasty mid eighties curveball. Um, also throws a slider and cutter that shows a lot of good potential. It's still developing that. Um, same with this changeup. And when you when you kind of project out and look at it, that's a really solid four pitch mix. And all of them project to be above average pitches. Um now that's all above average at their peak. It's not like he has gonna have his ace up every time he, every time he steps on the mound, of course no one does, but when you have four really good pitches, you know, if you don't have a feel for something that day that leaves you with three really good pitches, which is a really good spot to be in. Yep.
2: It's kind of like our prize it's it's (laughs) rare the Nats have a really good (laughs) prospect so it's pretty exciting um Cade today made I think it was about 40 spot jump in the top 100 prospect list when you guys are making whether it's your top 30 for each team the top 100 or ranking where each team's farm system is what goes into that how do you guys decide where each player is going to be in that top 30
4: Uh, A lot of it is, I mean, it's talking to scouts, it's talking to front office folks, it's talking to whoever we can get in touch with, but it's, it's really, it's looking at their current skill, their age relative to their level, and then how good we think they can be. And then we have, at MLB Pipeline, we have four people that divide up and make the list. Um, so we're factoring all that in and then you're kind of coming up with this whole algorithm in your head of, of what we prefer, whether it's a guy that, you know, maybe it's a college guy who's close to his ceiling and we're like, hey, you know, maybe he's a fourth outfielder, but he's already there, so we're not guessing. Or mm-hmm. maybe it's a 16-year-old international signing who could be really good but also he could not be and it's hard to kind of project so there's obviously a little guessing in that but you, you try and just start with a list of maybe 40 or something players get as much info as you can on all of them order them how best you think it's available and then uh, send it out to scouts front office people the co-workers whoever and be like who am I too high on who am I too low on and uh, kind of compile all their feedback the best you can and put it together i
2: love hearing that sorry nick but i was really excited to hear what everything goes into that because i've always wondered yeah and that was really awesome to hear
4: i've got spreadsheets and like notes on yeah it's
3: i love spreadsheets i mean it sounds just like my my fantasy football preparation too like i'll dm players and if they you know send a funny tweet or something in, in response, then I'll, I'll uh, you know, have them hire on my big board or, or <laughs> something like that. Uh, I have a question for you. And this is, I guess, more just a, a baseball fan or just, you know, someone who, who obviously works in the position you do. Um there's been a lot of, you know, talk recently with the ray's success and obviously the way they they do business and kind of I won't say hoarding the farm system, but obviously they're built on the success of their farm and having a lot of, you know, uh internal candidates, you know, lead them to uh regular season and postseason success. So do you as, as a fan or, or you know wherever you're coming from as your uh you know, preference for for strategy. Uh, do you like the Rays' strategy, or do you like kind of how the Yankees did it? You know, in the you know heyday or, or the mid two thousands when they're kind of the Bronx Bombers using the farm to trade for proven assets.
4: As obviously, I I see the merits in both. I think it's a matter of, I guess, your reality. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who grew up in the area and I fell in love with baseball because of the Moneyball A's. Um, and so I kind of got used to like the heartbreak of not being able to like re-sign players when, really, when they really got good. Um, so I think since that's what helped me like really start to enjoy baseball is watching a lot of homegrown stars and even though I was only seeing them for a couple years before they left in from agency. I really do appreciate what the Rays do, um, as far as making the most of what they have. Um, it's interesting because I think ultimately the goal of a farm system is to help your major league club win. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to keep your prospects. Mm-hmm. If you trade, if you trade your top prospect and you get back, you know, a star who then helps you win the World Series. Your farm system did help you win there. Um, you know, the, the Dodgers were able to get Mookie Betts because they gave up some prospects. That's how the Yankees got, or that's how the Cubs got Chapman. Um, like, it, b- both ways work. I, I prefer teams promoting from within and developing their, their stars and keeping everything homegrown. But that's simply because that I grew up Watching the A's and admiring what Billy Bean was able to do, if I had grown up in a different market, um, my mindset and my thought process on that could be completely different, and probably would be.
3: Yeah, I ask because with the Nats, we obviously kind of have a, a little bit of both. Obviously, we you know during our World Series run, we ha- had the you know homegrown stars at front and center with you know Stephen Strasburg, Anthony Rendon. Um, Juan Soto, obviously, but also the big signees like Max Scherzer and, you know, Patrick Corbin was heavily involved in that as well. Um, So I just like getting people's perspective on it because I think with Nats fans, um, you know, just as in a very general way, they've been a little bit spoiled by uh, uh, prospects doing so well. And they think every prospect is going to be the next Juan Soto and they have so, so much immense value that they can't be traded. Like the, this past offseason, we were talking about potential trades for third baseman, whether it be Nolan Arenado or Chris Bryan or anyone. But it seemed like fans really, really wanted their prospects. So I just like getting, you know, everyone's opinions on them to see where they stand on the prospect versus trading them for a more proven commodity. <coughs> so while we're while we're talking about prospects
2: and trades and everything... Is a Max Scherzer for Jeter (laughs) Downs trade realistic? Or am I just sitting on a pipe dream and like Max Scherzer could not get Jeter Downs if the Nats decide to move him at the deadline?
4: I'm sorry, you cut out for a little bit there. All I heard was Max Scherzer, Jeter Downs.
2: That's that's basically the heart of it. (laughs) Um, So is if the Nats some you know, decided to sell this deadline. Could they trade Max Scherzer for someone like Jeter Downs? Or is that too much of a pipe dream and just not a realistic return for
4: him? Uh, What is his contract? He's a free agent. He's a free agent,
2: but Max has some deferred money. And by some, I mean like seven years, 15 million a year.
4: Well, <laughs> that, the deferred, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, Um, it's
3: how the Nats do business.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So they would have to. I would assume with that, it would have to be. They have to throw something else in. So Scherzer and someone uh, of the top flight prospect. The issue is, like you said, that he that he's a free agent at the end of the year. I think the money, well, money is obviously a big deal, especially coming off the pandemic. You can kind of get around that. Um, I don't know if a team wants to give up six years of a top-flight prospect for, depending on when you make the deal, three, four months of Matt Scherzer. Um, and I don't know, considering when, the type of contract he signed, he probably has some sort of, even if it's limited, no trade clause in there, right? Yeah, from, he has 10-5 rights.
2: Yeah, rights right now.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um So that obviously adds a wrinkle, but anyone that's trading for him, especially as a rental, is probably going to be a contender. So you might be able to get him to waive that. Uh, I think if you were to get someone like Downs um, or most teams like top three prospects, there probably have to be more in the package uh, than a straight one-to-one swap. I would also think, hmm, I'd also think the Nationals would maybe want, uh, maybe want some pitching back. Um, so maybe you do it that way. Uh, but I think more likely you'd get a collection of middle prospects, uh, middle from like a team's top 30 list, not necessarily from their entire organization. Um,
0: okay. But that so, could
4: be a way to do it, though. If you get a couple like in the 10 to 15 range, it's not like our lists are perfect. You get four of those guys, and if one of them hits – it's actually a pretty
2: good deal. I mean, if one of them hits and that's farm systems are any miles better, but yeah, what I'm hearing can't get is it any worse. <laughs> Ryan Weathers from San Diego. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our last question for you today, we like to end on a more of a fun note. Um, if you were a betting man, and I think the Super regions are starting soon, who would you say is going to be the College World Series champion? What's more of a fun way than
4: you guys just, quiet Ryan Weathers. Um, (laughs) uh, To me, it's hard to... I know a couple teams have hit um, Rocker and Lighter lately, but it's hard for me to go against Vanderbilt just because that's such a dominant one-two punch. Even if someone gets one of them, you've got to get the second one. And being able to get to both of them on back-to-back days or in back-to-back games just seems like, a really tall task.
2: I mean i I like it. And I'm going to open up my FanDuel app and try to find <laughs> a way to put a bet down on them. Um, William, thank you so much for joining us. It was absolutely fantastic to speak with you and pick your brain about all things prospects. We'll get back in touch regarding fantasy football. Everyone will be very <laughs> excited to hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Once again, you guys can give William a follow on Twitter at W4 and make sure you guys head on over to MLB.com slash pipeline to keep up with everything prospects and draft. Thanks so much, Will. Anytime. Happy to talk to you guys. Yep. Take care. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. Um, I absolutely love drafts. And with the baseball draft coming up, We're going to be talking about that more as it approaches, because the Nats had a pretty good pick. But thank you again to
3: William coming on, and we're definitely going to have him on after the draft. And, heaters, that interview, all of our interviews and all of our episodes are presented to you by Manscaped. If you have shaky beef, no need to worry because the lawnmower 4.0 can still be for you this fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology the 4.0 is the perfect trimmer for home and on the go it has a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. So if you travel a lot, if you're planning to travel a lot now that things are opening back up and things are a little bit safer than they once were to, to get around, the Lawnmower 4.0 is perfect for on the go. So you should go to manscaped.com and use our promo code HSHA20 for 20% off and free shipping on the Lawnmower 4.0 and all of their great products that they have on their site. We use basically all of them, and we love basically all of them. No, not basically all of them. We love all of them, and you will too. So, again, use our promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. Oh, I forgot it's me again. Okay, so now we're (laughs) going to transition into something that was my brainchild today. And I saw a tweet, and it kind of just sparked this. So we're just going to roll with it and see how it goes. So we are going to have a draft of baseball things. And that's as specific as we're going to get anything baseball related. Let's draft and we're going to see who has the best draft. So how many rounds we, we want to do, Ryan, four or five?
2: Um, I'll, I'll let you pick. You're the host. I'll let you pick.
3: I have plenty written down on my big board. So I'm prepared to go five. And I think with something like this, we can expand it a little bit more because there's not going to be a lot of overlap. If we were doing baseball smells, we barely had enough content for two rounds, and it was just me and you drafting. So <laughs> something like this, I think we can we can do five. That sound good? I like it. I start preparing. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Let me uh pull up a randomizer. So I'm doing my random dot org. Brad Hand is currently pitching the bottom of the ninth inning. I'm going to give you play-by-play. Mike Zunino is stepping in. All right. Nick is taking back. (laughs) So first pick is Ryan. Let's go. And then it's me and then Amanda. All right. right. So snake draft, of course, as always.
2: So I'm excited. I'm excited about this. You know, I can go a lot of different ways for this because it's just baseball things, baby. We all know what that means. So... When I'm thinking baseball things, I'm going with something that I think is absolutely hilarious because it's kind of one of those things you're like, why does everyone do it? Everyone's like, I don't know. Everyone else does it. So that's why. <laughs> and it's players, sorry, fans booing when the pitcher throws over the first. There's nothing more <laughs> baseball than that. It's universal. That's Every a stadium. Great one. People have no idea what they're doing. And they're like, boo. So that's my first one. Fans booing on pickoffs with the. Oh, what a pick,
3: Ryan. What a pick. Sorry, I gotta, gotta hide myself up a little bit. Yeah, you do. Damn, that, that that that's actually really good. And I applaud you because I have a huge big board of things that, you know, I will never even draft. But that was not one of them. So that's a very good one. Um I'm feeling confident in all of mine. So I, I think I'm just gonna pick a random one on my list. In this one, it's a little bit more basic than I would have liked, but uh, maybe I steal a pick from you guys. So I'm just going to take bat flips because bat flips are one of the better Mm. things about baseball right now. And it's kind of like this bad boy persona because the actual institution hates it. So it's like you're kind of an anarchist if you're bat flipping. And that's cool. So Maybe more
1: broadly, just all of the sort of personality you know the the sort of shuffle and the backflips and the. I mean, if you want to give me a you... better
3: pick, I, I was trying to be specific so I wasn't like, you know, like how Ryan took all food and the food in the smells draft. So all food. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I'm just gonna take backflips because backflips are cool. They're the they're the trends right now.
1: All right, I like it. I like it. Okay, so for my, what I, when we th- thought about this, I said, what are the things that make baseball unique? Like, what is it about baseball that's different than other sports? And my absolute favorite thing about baseball is the fact that there's no clock. That, now, I know everybody's always trying to say, oh, the games are too long. We need to tighten them up. We need to, you know, shorten games. They're boring, whatever. For me, the most awesome thing about baseball is that there's no running out the clock. There's no just, you know, hey, let's, play a prevent defense let's you know keep the puck in the corner until the clock runs out you can't do that you have to pitch to every guy you have to get every out there's no hiding from it there's no you have to go through your 27 outs to end the game and I think that is the coolest thing about this sport that makes it unique and different than any other sport out there
3: I actually like that a lot that's a good pick
1: my favorite okay my next one I've got a few good choices okay for me it's the length of the season not necessarily 162 but the fact that it's such a long season whatever that exact number would happen to be like when i watch football i find myself getting so pissed off if we lose because there's only 16 now 17 games and you know every mm-hmm. game you have to live and die with it it's so, the nfl is like from one week to the next everything changes you know what i mean who who won who lost what happened in the division everything changes over the course of one weekend and i like about baseball the fact that you know, you could have more of a, ugh, that one sucked, let's get it tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to live and die with every game in baseball. And you just get to kind of enjoy the ebb and flow of a season and mostly ebb this particular season. But, uh, you know what I mean? Just the fact that every game is, matters, but each game individually isn't so consequential that you find it ruining your day if your team loses. So that's my second one.
3: I see that perspective. I'm just, I have the different perspective where I love football because it's, it is life and death with every single game. Yeah. Like and I love one that too. Game, it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's just a, a different. Yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. Just different. But. it yeah. makes know, baseball
1: unique. Uh, and like I said, I, that was my thing with these, with these, this draft was what makes baseball unique. What is it about baseball? Yeah, it,
3: and I get it. It's like with football, a two game deficit is almost impossible to overcome, especially later mm-hmm. in the season. But like, in baseball two game deficit you can overtake in a weekend or so you play like, each
1: other in one series in the whole right
3: right well that's that. what i mean so it's like yeah. that that's cool about okay. baseball but i also like the way you know football for example is but i see that that point and i like it um all right i'm gonna i'm gonna take this one because um it, it's it's just one of the really only times in baseball where you feel the anticipation and that's any play at the plate because you can see it. You can see the run around in third, you know where the ball is in the field and you can tell there's going to be a play at the plate, even better runners getting thrown out at home. I love when, you know, you're waiting for the umpire to just nail them, but any play at the plate, you, the anticipation builds, whether, you know, you're, in the stadium or watching at home, just like in any other sport, if it's a last shot, if it's a final play, whatever, that anticipation builds. That's where you really get it in baseball. Is any play at the plate, scoring opportunities? It's unlike anything else, and you really feel that anticipation and emotion come out. I like it. I love a
2: good play to the plate. I truly do. So that's a fantastic pick. I got, I got two more here. Um, I got couple left on my big board or my medium board I should say but my next one I'm gonna go with and I absolutely hate it but it's also really funny at the same time it's kids screaming for foul balls (laughs) <laughs> like it's just this it's is just,
1: something i hate so much
2: <laughs> like so so do i because like i feel like the kids should learn a valuable lesson that life isn't fair sometimes so if the ball comes to me i am going to catch it like but, i am
1: bigger than you and i'm gonna get the ball like you need to
0: learn kid. that's life
2: pal it's it's so baseball because every single one of us at some point was that kid screaming for a ball and would get really upset because we didn't get the ball and like we've all been that kid and just like before a game during BP, all you hear is just those and people just screaming. Yeah. yeah, like that's all you hear. And like that's just baseball. So that's what I'm going with. Kids screaming for foul balls. And my next pick, I'm going with scandals. Um every sport has different mm, scandals. That's but a
1: good one, right?
2: <laughs> baseballs are just like they make no sense. Like the the pitchers are using uh substance on the balls. Um the Astros stole signs. Also, wait, the Yankees did, but we're going to cover that one up. There's and, just... the, and
3: the Rockies did, but they suck, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the Rockies did,
2: but no one beat, beat an eye because they suck.
3: Isn't and the that Sox what we always did.
1: said about imagine using steroids and still being crap? Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, everyone comes together for these scandals. Twitter is hilarious for it. The fans get into it as well. So I'm going scandals because they're just funny. Like, they're just like typical baseball scandals.
3: I like I it. I like it. I like it um my next one is going to be one of the you know feats in baseball to a casual casual fan and what i mean by that is it, it's commonly said that hitting the baseball is the hardest like athletic feat and one of the main reasons for that is a good old 12-6 curveball the oh, good old so 12-6 that was curveball on my list that's the first overlap <laughs> one of the most satisfying pitches ever it's my favorite pitch. Clayton Kershaw obviously has the best one in baseball right now. I'm sure there's a lot of other guys, but none of them top Clayton Kershaw's. But just a good 12-6 curveball and just the absolute, you know, knee-buckling, dumbfounded face that you get. Oh, Oh, it's it's a thing of beauty. And it's like, that's why I love baseball because that should not be allowed. That should not happen. But it does, and I love it.
1: I love it too. I love a curveball, especially for some reason, a left-handed curveball. I don't know why those are more satisfying. Because
3: most people are right-handed. So it's like, it's almost unnatural. It's like mirror mode where it's yeah. like, I feel like it shouldn't be coming that way. So it confuses me a little bit more, but it's awesome.
1: Yes. Okay. My next one is going to be, Oh, I've got a couple more good ones here. I'm going to go with stolen home runs the ones where the 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 defender it like makes a crazy leap or runs up the wall or like reaches over the wall and makes an insane catch like there's few things in baseball more fun than one that should have been a home run and somehow the outfielder hauls it in anyway love that
3: Mm -hmm. good one good one
1: absolutely fantastic and then let me look at my list here all right, I'm gonna say the battle between the pitcher and the hitter, like a, a really good at bat, one where you've got a really good hitter and a fantastic pitcher, and you can like you could just see with every pitch the the way the pitcher's trying to set him up or the way the hitter is like fouling off everything. You know what I mean? Like a really really quality at bat where at the end of it you're just like, whoo! Mm-hmm. You know, one guy got the better of the other guy. That is one of the things. And there are a few other times in sports where you see those kinds of like individual battles. But most team sports, you don't really get that. I mean, I guess you could say like penalty kicks, or you know, penalty you know, in soccer, or you know, a, a penalty shot in hockey, or something like that, where it's just one guy against another guy. But most of the time, it, there's more action going on. But unless the ball gets put in play, everybody else is just standing there watching the pitcher and the hitter go at it. And I love that.
3: I like it. I like it because it there's strategy in every fouling pitch. off, you yeah. know, the pitches you can't hit. So I can't hit this and I'm going to look stupid. So I'm just going to spoil it, spoil it. And I'm going to make them throw something else. There's strategy mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And yeah, like a good,
1: like an 11, 12 pitch at bat that ends up with a walk. Like maybe right. that seems boring to somebody
3: yeah, who's not boring, a baseball but like, fan,
1: but I love those kinds of at bats.
3: <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, my next one is going to be similar to Ryan's first one. And that is uh, umpires making bad calls. And you might say, hey, this is one of the worst things about baseball. Uh, You should absolutely have robot umpires, da-da-da-da-da, replay and and all this stuff. I'm on the flip side of that. I like bad calls because every sport, there's a human element to it. And fans bond like no other, like scandals, but fans bond like no other other. When there's a bad call in a game, it's like ref, you suck. And, and if you get the chant going, even better. But bad calls are a part of sports. They need to stay a part of baseball, and it's one of the best thing about baseball because when a baseball crowd gets going, it's undefeated. Like h- hockey fans uh, or football fans, they're just unruly to begin with. Baseball fans, for the most part, are pretty like calm and tame and pretty, pretty boring. Stayed bunch, yeah, 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 they're pretty boring. So when you finally get them riled up, like when there's a bad call, it's Epic. It's awesome and it's one of the best things about baseball.
1: Hmm. That's a good one? one.
3: Everyone hates everyone hates umpires. You see the umpire
2: who got mad at the like, kid in the College World Series who like a go-ahead yeah. grand slam and was like, how d- how dare he? <laughs> <laughs> like that kid was 19, but anyways, moving on. Um, so I got two picks and these are my last two to picks. To round it out. Oh, to round it out. Oh, this is big pressure. All right. So my fourth pick. I'm going with the random stats that mean absolutely nothing, (laughs) but just everyone knows what it means. Like you'll be watching a game and they'll be like, this team is 11 and three when there is a shadow on the field for two hours. Um, Masson will have stats like Juan Soto leads the league and singles um, on Wednesdays at 2.30. And then you got like the the XWOBA, like all these super random stats. And like stats get so specific. It's so funny because no one really knows what it means, but everyone also knows that it means it's at the same time. Exactly, uh, it gets the people going, but yeah. it's just it's peak baseball, and I love it because baseball truly embraces stats more so than other sports. Mm-hmm. So that's my fourth one, and then my last pick is fans doing the scorebooks at games.
0: <laughs> oh, that <laughs> is no, such the, a good
3: one! I, I hate that; <laughs> it drives me insane.
2: <laughs> like. You're you're not at a baseball game until you see you know someone a little older and they usually have their headphones because you know they listen to the game on the radio and they got their book. And <laughs> they're, they're so just,
1: serious about it, you along, know. You're just like
2: I, e- exactly, and I know for a fact that person has been doing that at every single baseball game for as long as they've had season tickets, and it's just the peak baseball thing, and it's so funny. I don't know how these people can do it. I get too distracted at baseball games, but
3: I love it. And you're not truly at the baseball game unless you see someone doing it. That's absolutely good. The the thing that really got me at Ryan, I I can't remember. I went with you to this hockey game, but it was a caps playoff game. And the guy next to us is doing a scorebook for hockey.
2: Yeah, it was were so. You
3: wild. At that game with me? I've yes, never yeah. seen that. I, me neither.
2: <laughs> I was was, it was, it was so weird. Very how confused. do you even
1: score hockey? No
2: idea. I think he was, like like I of, like, scored a bunch of little league games
1: for stuff. my kids when I was when they were little and used to play. So like I know how to score a baseball game, although I never do it at a real game. But I don't even know how you would score a hockey game.
3: But yeah, that's a phenomenal pick because there's there's that guy, and for some reason he's always sitting by you, just always. He's literally always sitting by you no matter the what game you is, go there's, to. The thing is, there's
1: some guys like that in every section is why that guy's always sitting by you.
3: I know, but I'm just saying, like, that's my point. There's so many of them. You would think it's just, like, one guy. Like, not many people do it, but there's there's plenty of people that do it. And
1: you think it's one random weirdo, but it's not? It's, like, no. hundreds of random weirdos?
3: No. Exactly. <laughs> All right. My last pick is... Uh, a little bit backstory but it's exactly the reason uh i, I wanted to do this draft because i saw it on twitter so i'll give i didn't write down the at or the tweet but uh credit where credit is due and that is bat dogs in minor league games when mm. a team has a bat mm. dog i i melt there's well, i'm like that's such a good boy not only is he the a goodest good boy, boy. <laughs> not only he's the goodest boy but he's doing a great job and the the funniest <laughs> clips uh Or when, like, uh, it's, uh, you know, a a strike two call instead of a ball four call, and the guy starts walking down, and the bat dog will go run out to try to get the bat, but then the guy needs his bat back from the bat dog. It's like, (laughs) no, the good boy's just doing his job. You're going to need a new bat. That's how it works. You leave that dog
1: alone.
3: Bat dogs are some of the best things about minor league baseball and minor league baseball has a bunch of quirks that are great on its own that I, I left off the list but bad dogs is one of my favorites. Yeah
1: you could have just said minor league baseball as it yeah, could have just one said minor things league things about yeah well,
3: minus Doesn't, minus the pay but yes.
1: Right. Doesn't don't the Rochester Red Wings our new triple A affiliate have a bat dog?
3: I believe they do.
1: I believe they do. All right so it's my last one. I was Mr. gonna relevant I was going to pick random, silly, irrelevant statistics, but that one has been taken. So I, uh, my next one is actually kind of similar to one of your recent ones, Nick, which is about bad calls. I love a good manager meltdown, like a really good kicking dirt over home plate, taking the bases, screaming in the umpire's face, having just a complete and total temper tantrum meltdown from a manager absolutely one of the best things no other sport do you see anything like that happen like you don't you never see coaches act like that and i know some people hate it and think like oh it's so inappropriate and they shouldn't act that way they are absolutely hilarious it's one of the best things davy got himself some recently on one Mm -hmm. when he got tossed in the game in the world series where they called trey turner out for being out of the baseline on his way to first like that was an epic meltdown like i love a good managerial meltdown Mm -hmm. After that, a bad call.
3: Loki. that was one of the best decisions Davey ever made. Because he's like, hey, I'm, you know, a relatively new man or a second year manager. I don't really know what I'm doing as far as managerial decisions. But I can go get my team fired up and get myself thrown out of this game. And make an absolute scene in the World mm-hmm. Series that's going to go viral and fire up my team. And that way I won't have to make managerial decisions because my team will just be so fired up. Honestly, chess, not checkers by Davey there.
1: Totally. Yeah, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And then what was the one that just happened? Was it Terry Francona? It was just the five-year anniversary of it the other day. You guys probably saw the clips on Twitter.
3: I well, Davey had Francona. a recent one, too, where he t- took the base out of uh...
1: – Yeah, it that was, one was fantastic.
3: It was the
2: 22-year uh, anniversary of What's-His-Name Getting Ejected and then the Move, Wearing now? a the Skies in the Dugout.
3: Oh, no, Bobby Valentine. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, God, that was so good. And there was the one um, – God, where the – i can't think of the names now i always do this where i can't think of names when i actually need to know them where he got in the fight with he got in a fight with the philly fanatic and like you know
3: what's that lou Piniella?
1: yeah no, no was wasn't it, it i can't remember that one was a long time ago but those Who's see the- those kinds of things like it's not always a bad call but like whatever it is that sets off a guy where he just absolutely
3: or is it bobby loses Cox?
1: it I think it was Lupinella. I don't know. I have to go find the clip again. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there are so many good ones through the history of baseball that you can watch. And they're absolutely phenomenal. They're just one of the best things about baseball. No other sport has anything like that sort of entertainment.
3: I mean, the best one of all time is still, at this point, it's probably like 20 years old. But it's a minor league game where the manager absolutely loses his mind. And then he's army crawling behind the pitcher's mound and uses the rosin bag as a grenade. Yes, as a
1: grenade.
3: And <laughs> tosses the home plate. And even better, the rosin bag, when it hits, it makes a little cloud of dust. So it's like it exploded. It's so funny. If you haven't yeah. seen that clip, it's one of the best. It, it is the best manager meltdown you'll see.
1: Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. I remember watching it for the first time and thinking, like, I don't even know what set him off that he's acting like. I don't even care. Like it doesn't matter. It
3: doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> this is the best thing that ever happened. So yeah, yeah. manager meltdowns.
3: Yeah, that's a good one. Good one to end on.
1: All right, that was fun. I like Me? the um, the random vagueness of it.
3: Exactly. Next Thursday we're gonna do a uh, things we don't like about baseball. Number one,
2: mm. pitchers hitting. No, I I, I really enjoyed <laughs> that. That was, that was that was a good draft. Mine are, mine are phenomenal, by
1: the way, but, you know, as yeah. always, as always. Yep. Okay. Um, so we are to our last segment, which is the one big thing. What you guys got?
2: Um, My one big thing is embrace the tank, which they won't do. So, like, at least just, just, just give me something to watch. Like, have fun, please. <laughs> like, it's just... Be enjoyable to watch. That's all I ask for because the Nats aren't enjoyable. Yeah,
3: that's kind of where I'm at as well. And that's my one big thing is I actually forgot this feeling last year. This feeling last year was, you know, I it was tough for me to get into the games because the Nats weren't competitive. And I kind of just shrugged it off because it was 2020 and obviously shortened season. it's like maybe I'm just not into the season because it's, you know, done and gone before I really had a chance to to catch up. Um, But this season, obviously, it's a normal season. And now that I'm officially out on the Nats, I'm like, man, finding myself caring a lot less than I did before. (laughs) So it's like, how do I stay interested? They're still my team. I, You know, I still want what's best for the franchise. And notice how I word that. I want what's best for the franchise, which doesn't necessarily mean winning games. Because as we saw at the last three games in 2020, winning games does not always help you. That momentum, quote-unquote, that they gained at the be- end of the season didn't do jack shit for 2021. Pardon my French. It you didn't it do didn't anything. Work. didn't do anything. It only yeah. cost us Kamar Rocker. Um, but, you know, now, again, it's like they're definitely out. We don't know if they're selling it. If they sell, if they embrace the tank, like Ryan said, I'm in. I want to know what they do, how they're gonna do it, what their plan is, you know, what they're thinking, who they're trading. I'm in on all of that. I'm invested. But right now this kind of purgatory, you know, not knowing what's gonna happen, it's it's making it a little difficult to uh to figure out where where I stand with with the good old Washington Nationals. So maybe I'll have to go to a game or two to try to like bridge the gap until the trade deadline. And then I can be mad at them again because they didn't do anything.
1: <laughs> we have that to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't really talk too much about it on this episode, but my one big thing was about um, Garrett Cole being asked, was, I think it was yesterday uh, yeah. or earlier today, about um, whether or not he Spider specifically... Tech had used spider tack specifically spider tack and he pauses for like I want to think it was 14 seconds which in the middle of an interview uh, is a really long pause
3: and he says answer that. it was funny because <laughs> I thought he was trying to fake that his zoom froze but he was blinking so much <laughs> See, I would
1: have respected the hell out of I that I thought that's what it he was, was like, trying to
3: pull and I was like oh this is up. hilarious but his eyes are blinking like two two times a second and I'm it's like
2: like uh, <laughs> ev- everyone knows when you're innocent you pause and say you don't know how to answer the question right like that's what everyone knows but um oh that's my one big thing everyone's cheating just embrace it
1: that was my big thing I just started
2: (laughs) (laughs) I stole it
1: (laughs) (laughs) you stole it so anyway it was super obvious that clearly he is and I don't know if it's specifically spider tack although that is what he was asked but after a 14 second pause saying I don't I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. And I'm like, I don't think being honest is your problem here, buddy. (laughs) So anyway, clearly Cole is using it, but I'm just, you know, and and so many other guys and as they start to crack down on this and enforce it, I am fascinated to see what we see with what pitcher, you know, not just the rotations, if we see a big drop, which I think is obvious, but what kind of, what kind of performance change are we going to see, you know, Velocity isn't everything. Those rotations are a huge part of what makes pitches filthy. And uh, if a lot of guys decide, hey, you know, I'm just – especially guys like Cole who've already secured their bag, like there's nothing – I'm not going to get a bunch of suspensions. I'll just pitch the way I pitch, and, you know, it is what it is, or Bauer or any of those guys. It's going to be super interesting to see what kind of a change in performance we get from them for the rest of the season. And uh, I'm especially interested in Bauer because Bauer made perfectly clear that years ago, he made perfectly clear that everybody was. Yeah, well, he made years ago, you know, he basically said, everybody's doing this. I could do it, too. And obviously he did because he got a hell of a lot better than he had ever been. Now he's making 40 plus million dollars a year. If he stops using it, you know, he's made this point, which is everybody was doing this and nobody cared. So why shouldn't I do it? Yeah. And and that's why we ended up in this place where everyone's cheating and that the league created this mess.
3: That's the thing with Garrett Cole. It's like, yeah, he did it in a very terrible way, but he had a point. This has been passed down from you know baseball generations, like the greats of the '90s and the 2000s. They they did this too, and mm-hmm. that goes back to Ryan's point. Everybody cheats, and with spider tack and pine tar and uh, sunscreen and rosin and all the combinations that help you with grip and subsequently you know sp- spin rate as we get into this advanced, you know, uh, data age that we're in right now. Everyone's done it before. It's not just some new thing. And not only that, it's not just a couple guys. Like Ryan said, it's everyone. Mm -hmm. It it just is. And this has been passed down. So, yeah, it was very clear if Garrett Cole didn't basically out him himself. Mm -hmm. um, It's very clear that everyone's doing it. But again, that all came from somewhere. And that's either, you know, coaching staff or, you know, mentors, whether it be, you know, previous pitchers or pitching coaches or whatever. Like this has been widespread for a while and it's only now being chose to be enforced.
1: Right. Because you're seeing such dominance in the pitching right Right. now. And a lot of that is probably attributable to the dead in baseball. Right. But the baseball doesn't want to take ownership of the change in offensive numbers. So they're going to start enforcing the rules on the cheating with pitchers that they never did before because they like shifting blame. Yeah. So, so what about de Grom? Do you see all these Mets pitchers come out and say he doesn't use anything and nobody else? Like you don't see people coming out and saying that about Cole or coming out and saying that about Bauer or any of these other guys, but everybody came out and defended Degrom and said he doesn't use anything.
3: The thing with DeGrom though is his numbers back up what his teammates are saying. His his That's spin his spin rate hasn't, you know, changed all that much from, I'm glad I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah,
2: from when, this up. Uh,
3: from when he hit the league.
2: Um so I saw this it was spin rate by year of all the best pitchers. Um DeGrom's, I mean not DeGrom, excuse me. Cole's went way up when he went to the Astros. Verlander's went way up when he went to the Astros. Um, Trevor Bowers was astronomical. Shane ben Gibbs Be- has s- since gone way down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Shane Bieber's went up. Basically, everyone's went up. There's three pitchers whose spin rate was essentially the same their entire career. Jacob DeGroms did go up a little bit in the beginning of his career, but that's when he was like in getting in year three or whatever. Um, Max, you Darvish, and Jacob DeGrom are basically the only pitchers where their spin rates been straight their entire career. So. Jacob Durham's just absolute freaking nature because like his spin rate's been like this forever and he's this absolute dominant. Imagine if he had that thing. Woo! I
1: know and, that's crazy. I'm happy to hear Max is on that list actually because like I'm under no I'm under no illusions that like nobody on the Nats would ever cheat. I mean I'm not stupid, they, they but just, I would love to know that Max isn't. Like I would love it if Max weren't. <laughs> Max is my favorite player on the team. I would love it if he weren't cheating.
3: Yeah, I mean he wouldn't be. Uh the first player in the, in the Nats to use some uh, performance enhancers.
1: Was that a Ryan Zimmerman dig on the night he hit two home runs? How dare you, sir?
3: Whoa, Amanda. I mean, you really, you know, jumped to a conclusion there.
1: I know you. About, uh, uh, you that he was talking about Chase Barrera.
3: Yeah. I mean, Chase <laughs> Barrera had been suspended. So, I don't know what you're trying to insinuate about Mr. National.
1: No, I don't think, I don't know. I, I don't think that. That's exactly that right.
3: You don't think. You don't think.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think uh, Zimmerman <laughs> used anything. Because if he did, it didn't really work for him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, so. I he, no, uh, we won't say his name. Never mind.
1: Yeah, we'll leave that other. We'll leave that alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't go down that. we go down that road. Okay, anything else before we get out of here?
3: Uh, the Nats have a two-run lead. Uh, oh, do 10. they? Yeah. What it, happened? It, I don't have a game a, it's on. It's an extras, so with the runner on second, they were able to take advantage. So they're up two. Brad Who's pitching. Go- Brad oh. Hand went back out there for the 10th, so he's definitely going to blow it. And obviously there's a runner on second because we're in extras.
1: Obviously okay well let's go now hopefully they uh pull this one out yep all right so i think that is going to do it for us thank you all as always for listening please make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave reviews if you are so inclined uh, check us out on twitter at half street high heat and at the website at halfstreethighheat.com talk to you guys next week
0: Go
4: Nats. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls, so that the commentator who has the causes is the wall to we'll see you later. John.